Thank you for joining us at the Pastor's Table at Tahlequah United Methodist Church. Let us know that you're here in the comment section, and if you've got questions or comments, feel free to question or comment as well. We would love for you to connect with us online at TahlequahUMC.org, where you can worship with us, connect with us, and serve with us. Now let us grow together at the Pastor's Table. Hello, Lead Pastor Matt Franks here. Um, We've enjoyed through our Advent series a look at um, special Christmas hymns, and I want to invite you to listen uh, to the great message that Dr. Bob prepared for us today. It, it provides some really good information, and it was just really good to listen to, and so I hope you enjoy uh, uh, what Dr. Bob offers for us today. It is a valuable learning experience as we learn about these um, hit Christmas hymns. Welcome back. Uh, last week, we discussed a hymn titled Joy to the World, um, and uh, that really has quite a different history from the hymn that we're talking about today, and the hymn today is O Come, O Come, Emmanuel. Uh, how is it different? Um, it was introduced into uh, worship uh, a thousand years <laughs> before Joy to the World, uh, and it, it was originated actually uh, before 800 AD, uh, and those of you who know a little uh, music history know that um, history, uh, music history kind of began in the early church, and um, it was the music of those services uh, in monasteries, convents, what have you, were um, the music were uh, unaccompanied music sung by solo voices or by a group of men in a monastery, a group of women, women in a convent called chant, the plain song. Uh, and um, there was no harmony to them. Um, they, were, uh, they were what we call monophonic songs um, and um, very simple, called sometimes plain song or plain chant. Um, o Come Emmanuel came about as uh, within that heritage of the early church. Uh, it was called an O antiphon or an O hymn. Uh, and when you think of the title, O Come Emmanuel, you can probably guess why they simply called this uh, group of hymns or antiphons O antiphons because the first word of the title happened to have been O. Uh, and, uh, O Come Emmanuel was, was certainly one of those. There was also an interesting tradition in the early church, um, in the early monasteries and, and uh, convents. There, like we have in a secular sense today, the 12 days of Christmas, uh, which originate with Christmas Day and then go uh, until into, into January, the 12 days of Christmas, um, during this time, there were actually seven days that were celebrated immediately prior to Christmas. So the seven days before Christmas were celebrated uh, as such uh, with special uh, music and special services. And this particular uh, antiphon, if you will, or hymn or carol, if you want to call it a carol, originated during that period. So uh, this particular anthem began as or him began as seven verses. Um, and in my, my study for the presentation today, I, I went through the hymn book and noticed there were only four listed in the hymn book, but then there were a lot of extras listed on the second page. 
and I noticed some of the, the verses that were in my source material were not even included in the hymn book, um, and the order was different. So it's very ambiguous as to um, uh, how all of this was placed. But there was still the tradition of, of these seven O antiphons uh, based on O Common Manual that existed before um, uh, before the seven days before Christmas. I remember when I was when I was much younger, my wife and I, Kathy and I, used to have uh, Advent calendars and or actually Christmas calendars, and we would open up a window in each one of those. Um, those days in our celebration of the, of the coming of, of Christmas and the coming of the Christ child and his birth. Um, so this kind of carries along that, that same idea, if you will, um, these seven uh, what we call O antiphons. Um, the person who was responsible for, for actually codifying or collecting and kind of publishing, or he did publish these these verses was uh, a man called John Mason Neal or Neely, and um, kind of like last last week when we talked about George of the World, we talked about Isaac Watts, who who um, wrote the text, and also we talked about Lowell Mason, who wrote the music to George of the World. Um, John um, Neely was also a radical. Uh, very much, if you remember, Isaac Watts kind of came up from the Congregationalist's uh, um, background uh, in the Anglican Church. And, of course, he looked at things considerably different from how the Anglicans wanted him to look at things. And, therefore, he was somewhat rebellious uh, and, and uh, introduced some new ideas. Um, John Neely was very much the same way. Uh, and as I studied a little bit for, for today, <laughs> it was an interesting story and I laughed because uh, although I'm sure John Neely at the time didn't laugh, he was brought up in the tradition of the, of the Anglican Church uh, in England, I think uh, close to, if not specifically, London. Um, and he was educated, uh, and I hope I'm not wrong here, I, he was educated in Trinity College and I think that's somewhere in the London vicinity. And um, he was a brilliant, emphasis on brilliant man. Um, he was extremely smart and intuitive. Um, and uh, I read one source that said uh, he was familiar and could read and write and speak in 20 languages, which is hard to imagine at that time. Uh, John, John Neely, by the way, was the, in the uh, uh, 1800s, so the 19th century about 100 years after Isaac Watts, if you will. Um, but anyway, he was, the, the reason why the church objected to him, the Anglican church, although he showed his brilliance, was he was very progressive and he was rebellious and uh, a rebel in the sense of looking at things a little bit differently from how the Anglican church wished for him to. Um, and because of that, uh, after he had completed his his preparation for the ministry, the clerics in the church decided we don't want to put John Neely uh, in our London vicinity or anywhere near uh, London, uh, and believe it or not, they, they uh, exiled him to, an, uh, to some islands 
off of the African coast um, so they could get him very, very far away from where he had been caught up. Uh, and he took that assignment and did not resent it, uh, but made the best of what he was offered. Uh, and he actually established, um, eventually over a period of time, an orphanage um, uh, in the vicinity that he'd located in, an orphanage for orphans and for young girls who had been, who, uh, had been orphaned as well, and also even to prostitutes. So he realized that his responsibility was to, and I quote, the least of these. So he ministered and, and uh, provided um, a church home, if you will, for those um, who were very underprivileged. Uh, and he became uh, very well known for, for that work in his own time. So he, um, he um, was a radical and had to pay the price, but he made the best of what he was given. Uh, he was a very high church person, uh, even though he had been brought up uh, or had, had worked in the, in the church, um, uh, serving these orphans, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, he was a very high church person. He had very strong feelings about the architecture and the, uh, the furnishings, et cetera, of the church. Uh, but one thing that he, he, he was different in was kind of like Isaac Watts. He, he and Isaac Watts, Watts didn't like, um, they didn't like each other's hymns, uh, even though they, they existed, uh, or Neely didn't like Isaac Watts, rather, because Neely would have been later, um, even though they existed in the hymn book side by side. Uh, but they were, even though he didn't appreciate, um, Neely didn't appreciate Isaac Watts' work, um, he, um, he was very similar to it, actually, because what Isaac Watts was preaching was the simple person trying to make, uh, make the service and make his ministry appeal to what we would refer to as the least of these or to the common man, even though he was a very high church and he brought up and was a very brilliant man. Um, so that's a little bit of the background uh, into, into his history. He, he finally published, translated the, um, from the Latin of the early church, O Come, O Come, Emmanuel, translated it from Latin into English um, for his churches, and it was published. And the interesting thing about this is that it was published with only five verses. So somehow he decided to cut some of the verses out, um, and he ended up with only five. And, uh, so that was uh, uh, interesting, I found. And again, the verses are different from hymn book to hymn book. And in my source materials, as I studied through this, um, some of the hymns that he wrote, he was very interested in, Chris, in, in uh, Christmas hymns. Uh, certainly, O Come, O Come, Emmanuel, uh, and one that's not Christmas, and that is the, the, the hymn tune that sometimes um, we enjoy and we sing about during Palm Sunday, is All Glory, Lord, and Honor. It was one of John Neely's hymns. Uh, but two others that, that I kind of chuckle at, because he would like Christmas music, uh, was a good King Wenceslas was one of his hymns, uh, and also a hymn that that we will sing is is our anthem. The choir here this Sunday um, is "Good Christian Men Rejoice." So that was also um, 
him that, that he created. Um, so uh, I thought that I would at least share with you today the, the, the five uh, verses, if you will, of the hymn that my source material had um, that, that John Neely, uh, I assume, uh, came up with. Uh, and a lot of these come from, from Isaiah, from the prophet Isaiah, from, from the biblical scripture in Isaiah. Uh, the first verse, and I, what I'll do is, is I will just simply introduce you to the general thought of, uh, tell you what the hymn is based upon from biblical scripture, uh, the specific scripture, and then I will also sing the, an example of each one of the, the verses that were included in my source material. Um, and I will say this too, I, um, the interesting thing about music that was, that's over a thousand years old, for example, the early chants, is uh, they didn't have the advantage uh, of much musical training. Uh, and and their, their singing style was very, as I mentioned earlier, was very plain and very natural, plain song or plain chant. Uh, and so um, the singing of this material these chants in the 800 AD period was without vibrato. So um, I, I will challenge myself <laughs> to take away a little bit of my training, although it's fine to do this for a singer and, and sing it in a very straight tone, very chant-like fashion. Um, another thing about the, perhaps from your singing and remembrance of this particular hymn, um, it has a very uh, mystical, very um, oldish, uh, is the best way to put it, sound. Uh, the harmonies are very unique uh, when a musician analyzes the harmonies of the, these, these ancient chants, very unique. Uh, if there is harmony to it, and of course they're harmonized in modern reproductions of this, these chants, uh, but also it's without vibrato and also it's a very limited range. Um, so, so chant music, uh, and, and they liked, the early church liked this. They didn't like, and, uh, as, as we, they would not have liked, as we do today, um, elaborateness of text. A lot of lines going at once, polyphony, because what does it do to the music? In fact, that was one of the main things that the Reformation uh, complained about, uh, and, and Martin Luther was the music was too complicated and it got in the way of the simplicity of the text because the text was the most important thing. So these early chants definitely have that feeling. Um, the first verse uh, that I had in my source material was based on Isaiah 7, um, uh, verse, verse 14, and also on Matthew 1, uh, verse 24. Uh, and of course, this is, is the, the two verses here that that mentioned the word Emmanuel, or as we know of it today, um, God with us. Uh, and it was, uh, to the Israelites, it was a symbol of the Christian world. Uh, and it was the answer, the answer for salvation for those who were in dark and sinful ways on the earth. Um, so this is um, the first verse, if you allow me to, to uh, reproduce it in, in as true a fashion as I can to chant like voice the first verse of this, which is very familiar to us. O come, O come, Emmanuel, 
and ransom captives that mourn in lonely exile here until the Son of God appears. So that is the first verse that we think that Neely included in his five verses of this particular text, or this particular uh, anthem. Uh, second verse um, comes from Isaiah 11, and uh, this has a special importance to me because um, there is a picture, and I've asked Pastor Matt to include this in some fashion in this presentation, a picture entitled uh, The Peaceable Kingdom. Uh, and it was a picture that was created by, by Edward Hicks, was his name. Uh, and he was a Quaker, if you will, lived in Pennsylvania. Uh, and in, uh, I think he lived in the 1800s, late 1800s, as I remember. Uh, and um, he was a very primitive artist, but a good artist. I, I went through a number of pictures that he had, that he had uh, captured. Uh, and uh, most of the, of the pictures and images were, were of a similar nature, but um, he was quite an esteemed artist at the time and is still thought of highly today. Um, and the, the picture is simply called the Peaceful Kingdom. Uh, and the scripture from Isaiah 11, and if you'll allow me to read just a little bit of this to show you how he would have come up, and Hicks was very inspired by the Bible and by this Isaiah quote. This is from uh, chapter 11. The wolf shall live with the lamb. The leopard shall lie down with the kid. The calf and the lion and the fatling together. And a little child shall lead them. The cow and the bear shall graze. Their young shall lie down together, and the lion shall eat straw like the ox. The nursing child shall play over the hole of the ass, and the winged child shall put its hand on the adder's den. They will not hurt or be destroyed on all my holy mountain. Holy mountain, I emphasize. And the earth will be full of the knowledge of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. So as you uh, perhaps view the picture that I hope we can uh, exhibit to you in this presentation, see uh, a depiction of what Hicks was inspired by in Isaiah, that particular scripture. Um, there's also a, a piece uh, of music that the choir has sung in past years called The Peaceable Kingdom, the same title. Uh, and it was by um, uh, a composer named Randall Thompson. Uh, and his inspiration was definitely on the Isaiah text as well as the picture that Hicks had depicted um, uh, in, his, uh, in his music. So that's a, a very memorable. To, to us artists, uh, and this is kind of a personal confession that I must add to this. I, I, to me, uh, one of the things that, that brings me um, into a very religious spirit and that has 
drawn me to the church very strongly uh, is the fact that the art world often reflects uh, and is inspired by the scriptures and inspired by the, the writings uh, uh, of the church. Um, and you can go all the way back to the early composers, all the way back to Handel, of course, to Messiah and Bach, um, and classical composers, etc. The, the artist world, and in this sense, there's music that has been inspired by this, this Isaiah text, but there's also art that likewise has been inspired. So for the artist in me, that has drawn me to, uh, and that's one of the reasons why I enjoy my work in the church, because that's a way that I can bring my life and my devotion to the church, uh, to those congregates that I share the church with. Um, okay, the next verse, or oh, let me sing the second verse, sorry for my rambling um, here. This is the verse that, that deals with uh, Emmanuel. Pardon me, that, that uh, pardon me, I haven't read the second verse yet. Let me go, yes, that's, the second verse deals with the rod of Jesse, my bad. Um, the, the, um, the branch of Jesse, uh, only one who can defeat Satan uh, is uh, through Jesus Christ and God, and eternal life can be granted and can be saved from hell and can be the savior into the ideal kingdom of the future, uh, as, as is, is mentioned uh, in the Isaiah 11 text, which I just read. Here is the second verse. Oh, come the rod of Jesse, free thine own from Satan's tyranny. From depths of hell thy people save, and give them victory o'er the grave. And of course the chorus, which I'll sing at the very end, or the refrain follows all of, all of those verses. The next verse, the third verse in the uh, source material that I had, um, deals with uh, Malachi, um, chapter uh, 4, verse, specifically verse 2, which refers to um, the day spring or the morning star. The morning star is a very important symbol to musicians as well. Bach set one of, the, uh, one of his cantatas based on uh, brightly shines the morning star based upon that image or that superlative uh, vision. Of, of Christ and of, and of God. And of course, this deals with, with, with honesty and truth uh, and justice. Uh, you who revere my name, uh, the son of righteousness shall rise with healing in its wings. So this deals with the day of the Lord uh, when the wicked are destroyed and the righteous shall be rewarded. And this is verse three of my source. Oh, come, oh, day spring, come and cheer 
our spirits by thine and drive away the shades of night, and pierce the clouds and bring us light. So you see the image there uh, of light versus night uh, and the morning star. The fourth, fourth verse uh, that I had in my source um, is, uh, refers to the king of David uh, and to the, the key of David. Um, so, so those who were um, brought to the newborn king, the king is the one who held the key to the heavenly kingdom. Uh, and uh, there was no way to get into that heavenly kingdom but through him. Uh, he shall control everything and shall bring us our reward in due course if we deserve that reward. So this is the fourth verse um, of this hymn. O come thou King of David, come and open wide our Make safe the way that leads on high, and close the path to misery. Verse 4. And then the final verse, um, which I don't think I hear very often, uh, is reference to uh, come Adonai. Uh, who, of course, is God, uh, and is the source of, again, true wisdom, uh, and the, it's the only way uh, is through God and through his Son to achieve eternal life. So here is the fifth or final verse of this particular source uh, in this, um, this antivon or, or hymn. O come, O come, Adonai, who in thy glorious majesty from Sinai's mountain closing on givest thy folk the elder rejoice rejoice Emmanuel shall come to thee, O Israel. And so that is the five verses of O Come Emmanuel. So I hope you'll tune in next week. The, the third Sunday of Advent, the uh, special or selected hymn will be it came upon the midnight clear. I want to thank you for joining us today. And um, I hope you have a great, great weekend and great time. And we will see you on Sunday at 10 a.m. in person or online. If you want to learn more about Tahlequah United Methodist Church, uh, you can do so by going to TahlequahUMC.org. Thank you and have a good day. Mm -hmm.